Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I are talking everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast, and if that sounds good to you, make sure that you subscribe on the A to Z Sports uh, Podcast Network feed uh, on iTunes and Spotify, the A to Z Sports podcast network feed i get <laughs> i get jumbled a to z sports podcast network feed that's the name of it uh go uh go and subscribe there itunes spotify all of our new episodes drop every monday morning and if you subscribe you won't miss a thing you can find us on social media at charlie underscore burris at zach tnt at a to z sports on twitter and instagram then facebook.com slash a to z sports nashville and a to z sports nashville dot Com for everything Zach writes. The podcast is presented by TennesseeTickets.com, the place you should trust with any of your ticket purchases of all home and away games, concerts at your favorite venues, which are finally coming back, praise be, all with zero hidden fees at checkout, unlike the other sites, and save $10 off right now with the promo code AZ10AZ10, TennesseeTickets.com. Zach, I'm just feeling, okay, I'm just feeling Jimmy Buffett right now. It's a little vacation vibe in my own house. Um, the So this coming week, we're going to see Allison's grandparents. And we're trying to be safe, trying to be considerate. They are, I her grandfather is a walking underlying condition. He's had multiple heart attacks. He's had a brain aneurysm. He's, the man has fought his way through more craziness. He's, the dude's a badass. Uh, and... I don't. I would not feel good if I gave him the uh, the old coronavirus, and so we've been staying at home. And during our stay at home, I have gotten obsessed with making tiki drinks. I saw a YouTube video, and I was like, "This is really fun." A lot of you know lime juice, orange juice, bunch of rum, all of this stuff. And I have gone way down the rabbit hole, and I've had about I don't know four or five of them tonight. It's going to be an interesting show, you know. Just about me, me and my wife since earlier on uh, Sunday afternoon have been imbibing. It's been fun, and I'm you know me and been jamming to Jimmy Buffett. It feels good. It feels right. Uh, it wasn't a great <laughs> hasn't been a great couple of days of weather. Had the the Sahara dust cloud blowing through over here, um, but you know I just just feeling good vibes tonight, and uh, you know it just felt like a cheeseburger in paradise kind of kind of way I wanted to go. Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking about how much Zach Bingham is going to love this intro music. He's uh, not a big Margaritaville restaurant <laughs> fan. I, I hear him talk about it from time to time. So It is it's the epitome of, I guess, uh, like kitschiness is maybe the right word. It's really, you got to be in that state of mind, man, of just like a, a like 
old retiree on vacation. <laughs> That's what Margaritaville just. Oh, I've been to a couple of Buffett me. concerts. So I'm. Oh I'm yeah, all, I'm all in. Yeah, dude, you're a, you're a paired head. Yeah, they're 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 a good time. Yeah, I mean, but I'm with him on the Margaritaville restaurant part. That's that's a no go. I mean, the drinks are like 15 bucks. I've been to a couple of them at we've gone. We went on a cruise for our honeymoon. That was the last time I went to a Margaritaville, and it was like 15 bucks for like a mudslide. And I was just sort of like, "What are we doing here? This is ridiculous." So he needs to ratchet those prices down. But otherwise, I'm yeah, I don't. I mean, right there's now. really no motivation for him to. He's making money. As quick as he can. I mean, bellowing <laughs> yeah, it. end of her fist. Yeah. Uh, there, there's one. It, it doesn't fit, and it was strange to see it even go in. There is a Margaritaville in Gatlinburg, in the mountains. Yeah, I've seen it. I, I don't. I, you know, it is hey, an odd. Name. It might be successful. It's right next to uh, Paula Dean's restaurant, also, so you can get like uh, every piece of food covered in butter, and then go get like a hurricane at the uh, at. Margaritaville, I guess. Speaking speaking of Gatlinburg, I, I should I tweeted this the other night. I had a, a friend that was in Pigeon Forge over the weekend and was ate dinner sitting beside John Gruden, and actually no he's in Sevierville. Yeah, he he sent a picture of him sitting at the uh, table uh, next to him. And then he got a picture with him after dinner. He's there with with the in laws apparently. That's amazing. Yeah, famously, for I'm sure every Tennessee fan knows Gruden is married to a former Tennessee cheerleader, I believe. Um, and so I think his in-laws are in the area. Wow. That's it was like a the, Holst, Holston's restaurant. I think that's where they were at. Sure. I, I that's what I mean, somebody, that's, I tweeted it and somebody said, cause I didn't even ask him. Somebody recognized it from the tweet. That's the stuff of legends. That's during the, uh, you know, during every coaching search, you hear that John Gruden is eating at, you know, Calhoun's on the strip or whatever. And yeah. they're not Calhoun. Uh, it's a copper cellar down there. And, and he's having drinks with Peyton Manning, getting ready to be Tennessee's coach. That's like just imagine if that would have been late 2017 in October oh, or something. Man. That would have been amazing. Firestorm! If you sent out a tweet at John Gruden in Sevierville, uh, but he does like realistically now. Obviously, him coaching at Tennessee is off the off the table. He really does like hang out in the area sometimes. So there you go. I mean, rumors groomers confirmed. Yes. John Gruden was in Sevierville eating dinner. <laughs> you saw photographic evidence. Yes. Friday night. Dude, we're gonna be able to we're gonna be able to advertise this podcast so easily. Brand new groomers. Will will John Gruden be the new offensive coordinator? Look, at based based on the way I saw some people react to the coach Dudge stuff on Facebook where they're concerned that Pruitt's been fired and Tennessee has a new coach, there's there's a good section of of listeners or readers out there that will probably wonder if, if Gruden's back in the picture. There are people in Tennessee's fan base, and I would say, including me maybe, who live for the coaching searches. They're uh, fun, the, yeah. You know, the flight refreshing the drama. Oh, man. Just sitting there on Twitter refreshing every five seconds, uh, hoping for a new rumor. During the... It was honestly torture. Obviously, I was still in the media core during the, uh, the Pruitt, what ultimately became the Pruitt search, but was the Shiano fiasco. And it really was just 24-7. I, I remember days during that that search where and okay, I, I can I can actually pinpoint one specifically. <laughs> I went to bed believing all you know, I had been refreshing all day long, tw- 12, 14 hours straight, just refreshing Twitter, talking to people, doing every, you know, 
following everything as closely as I could. And we ended the day believing uh, that Mike Leach was going to be the coach at Tennessee because uh, they had gone to uh, to talk to him out there and what they they convened like California or something. Yeah, like a, a meeting with John Curry and went to bed believing that it was going to be Mike Leach woke up like specifically. I was like, I got to get up early. Got to make sure I got to write something and you know, it's going to be Mike Leach. So I got to get up and write stuff about it. Got to get all my stuff prepared for it to be Mike Leach. Um, and within a, a five minutes of waking up, it was like John Curry. It looks like John Curry is going to be fired. I li- well, I think, I think it was, it was, yeah, it was the next day. I think so. Because yeah. he, it was like a Thursday night, I think. Yeah, going going to interview Mike Leach, John Curry was being insubordinate. Essentially, <laughs> he he had gone out and gone rogue. Just flipped his uh, phone over. <laughs> yeah, and and like the the administration at UT couldn't reach him, and he was meeting with Leach against their wishes, and and just like that's that's how crazy uh, a coaching search can be. You know, you go to I remember, bed six hours before and wake up and the situation has totally changed. I remember that uh, one afternoon when Jeff Brom was almost the head coach. I oh, think man. Jimmy, Jimmy Hyams Ew. reported it. I had a whole article, had it written, ready to go, had to trash the whole thing. I think I did the same exact thing. Because I, I had even pulled that clip of Jeff Brom. The you know, XFL? XFL yeah. yeah, where he was saying, I'm you know, uh, whatever it is, you're, you had a concussion last week and you're still playing. And he's like, is my heart beating? <laughs> is this the XFL? Whatever he yeah. said. Yeah. Ah, uh, God. Crazy sure. times. But I guess people, uh, you know, people as, as I've gotten, uh, addicted to tiki drinks, I think people get addicted to UT coaching searches. Well, they're, they're, uh, they're never over quick either. I mean, that, no, that really started in early November when Butch got fired and you know, that first two weeks, nothing really happens. There's all the rumors, but nothing's really happening behind the scenes. All that. Cause you can't even talk to half the coaches. I mean, you make these little gauging interests and stuff like that, but nothing serious really happens till the season's over. And you know, that's when it really picks up. So they, they last about a month at Tennessee typically. Too, too long or I, for some people too short, I guess, but, uh, it's never, never without drama. And this week was no exception with Tennessee and spe- specifically, uh, I guess, former players looking back on the coaches that they had uh, at, at Tennessee. This was one of the main things on the docket. Not a, not a whole lot happened this week in terms of Tennessee. Didn't really have any, any recruits or anything like that. But uh, got some interesting comments from some former players, chief among them, Khalil McKenzie who is now an offensive lineman in the NFL. He was a defensive lineman his entire career at Tennessee. And then uh, flip sides of the ball when he went to the pros. And he had some words uh, about Butch and and what happened back then when he was at UT. Uh, I think you have those collected up, Zach. What what exactly was going on there? And why like why are we rehashing this now? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it, it seems like it's, Apropos of nothing, I mean, McKenzie just tweets out at some point. I can't wait till someone with a camera knocks at my door and says, "Excuse me, we're doing a Netflix film on UT athletics from 2013 to 2018." And uh, yes, please give us that because that is the Butch Jones years, and everybody kind of wants a peek behind the curtain. But it wasn't just McKenzie that started tweeting. I mean, all these former uh, 
Butch Jones players, Charles Mosley, Alexis Johnson, uh, a couple of other guys kind of start throwing their two cents in about a few things here and there. And some they were kind of vague. You know, they don't want to give away too much because they know they have what everybody kind of wants to know. But one thing I thought was kind of interesting, Charles Mosley and Khalil McKenzie both talked about defensive line coach Steve Stripling being like one of the only real coaches on that staff, which I thought was kind of interesting given, you know, that that staff was kind of all Butch Jones guys. That is interesting because we really did have, I guess for guys in the media, we all really had the confirmation that Butch was incompetent and, and absurd just as a coach. He just, he didn't have, he doesn't, he didn't have, and he, in my opinion, he will not have what it takes to be a coach. He's just, he's too, too fragile. He's, he just cares too much about what other people think, you know, among other things. Um, And we all kind of saw that right up close, but not all the fans did. And, and it really took all of that coming crashing down for everybody to sort of come around. But of course the players saw it in, in much closer de- detail than any of us did even in the, in the media core. Yeah. They saw it after they got the campus because yeah, what the interesting thing that McKenzie kind of mentioned is he thought that he said, I for real thought we were going to win a national championship before I arrived on campus. And Alexis Johnson said that's why he signed because he thought they were going to win a national championship. I mean, Butch had the recruits fooled, and they had the talent to do it. I mean, 2015, 2016, competent coach, who knows what happens. I mean, we, we've already, in the last few weeks, we've talked about this specifically, I know, but that tw- specifically the 2015 team. Yeah. Alabama, Oklahoma, you had both of them beat. You had Alabama on the ropes in the final two minutes. If the defense holds, Tennessee wins that game. If you, you know, you had a 17 point lead on Oklahoma. Both of those teams made the playoff. You win the other three games. The other three games you lost that season. You no, had it was two games. To, oh, yeah, that, that's right. Arkansas and uh, Florida. And Florida, yeah. yeah. And they had Florida the, beat. You had a four, 14 point lead in both of those games. A 14 point lead in both games. You would have made the SEC championship game and played played Alabama, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you would have played Alabama again, having beaten Alabama potentially. Even if you lose, let's say let's say they they lose that one game and end the season eleven and one. That's the game you lose, and you play Alabama again. You would have had a fresh chance to beat Alabama and go to a national championship. They were right there. They were that close. I know, and I mean, they're, they're closer in 2015 than 2016. Because 2016, you think about the way they started. Well, they're a Hail Mary, a Jalen Hurd touchdown in overtime away. There's two losses that they just narrowly avoided right there. I mean, that Jalen Hurd falling on a fumble in the end zone. <laughs> we should have known then that that <sighs> season was not what we thought it was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was 20, the I mean, worst for it because I made excuses for that that team that first game. 2016 is when I the the last half of 2016 is when I truly turned. Um, I had I remember in 2015. I want to say it was after the Florida game. I wrote a column that was something like, but it was like Butch Jones owes Tennessee fans an apology or something like that because I I had the feeling it was like Butch Jones ruined this golden opportunity to beat Oklahoma and Florida. Like what a, this sucks. He did this. Like this is 
it was a bad call on defense to let Florida score that that touchdown. Antonio Callaway, the you know fourth and sixteen or whatever it was, uh, and then Oklahoma. Obviously, you you blow a seventeen point lead. You could have scored a touchdown at the goal line. Yada yada. I mean, it was all Bush Jones' fault. And I wrote some column along those lines. But then by the end of 2015, I had come around and been like, okay, you know, you were right there on the edge of having a complete, true breakthrough season. So let's see if 2016, you complete it. You know, you you actually make that breakthrough. And then by the end of 2016, specifically after that Vanderbilt loss, I was out. I was donezo. Um, and I, I think if you, you know, you go back and look at the things that I said on social media, I was, I, uh, thankfully, I, I was not one that was on the butch train at that point, but, uh, considering the, how incompetent he was, it's amazing one that he able, was able to sign the talent that he was able to sign and that two that he didn't screw it up worse, that they still won nine games in each of those seasons Yeah, because they were nearly lost to South Carolina in 2015, a team with a interim head coach. Another they, another fateful falling on a fumble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that game. They they barely beat what was it Ohio or somebody random yeah. like that? Uh in one of those years, you know, they scored like 24 points against them. They should have blown them out. I mean, there was just so many instances where it was so obvious that he had no clue what he was doing. But the fact and that the he coach... convinced Khalil McKenzie was like one of the, the top player in the country thought he was yeah. going to go there and win a championship. And he, and honestly, he should have. Yeah. As we've been saying here, the talent was there. And what it... Uh, it makes me sick, genuinely sick to my stomach, specifically to think of that 2015 season. But, to, I mean, 2016, too. You you should have whipped Appalachian State. You should have whipped Georgia. You should have whipped Florida. You, you Like, I guess in, in some sense, they did whip Florida and that, you know, they beat them by double digits. But still, like... All of those games, Tennessee should have rammed through all of those teams, gone straight to the SEC championship game, and had a chance to play for a national title. That's how good that team was. Period. Josh Dobbs is the best quarterback that Tennessee has had since, I guess, well, I guess really since Tyler Bray. But Tyler Bray never really saw his potential come all the way through because of Dooley. And, and you know, you go back from there, to like since 07, 08, you had the guy. You had the guy leading the offense. You had a, a decent defense like give jeremy pruitt josh dobbs i mean that would be, uh, it, it it would be fun to watch i mean i i would love to you know khalil obviously brings it up here i want to see somebody interview these guys uh about this because we we already at, at orange white report my old uh the the website that i i have created that is now i've i've kind of sailed down down the river um we we had written and, and actually gotten with a couple of players who would Butch was still the coach, I believe, but some players that had already left um, and had had some some not great things to say about Butch. I mean, we we had talked to them and had published some of it um, and and we kind of knew then. But to get these guys who were like the stars on those teams. I, you know, Josh Hobbs will never say a crossword about anybody. No. He's just that kind of guy. But like, maybe a Khalil, Khalil McKenzie, you could actually get to talk, and Alexis Johnson, and and really get the truth out. And and I, I think it would be worth it because honestly, I, I've I've said it before. I don't know if I've said it publicly, but I, you know, I'll say it now. I, unless Butch Jones has fundamentally changed as a coach and the way that he would conduct himself as as a man who leads a football team, I. Truly, for the sake of the football players, I don't ever want him want to see him be a head coach again. 
I think it's detrimental for the men that he would lead. Yeah, I think I think we saw that from the uh, Daniel Helms story we were talking about before the show. Yep. And I think that some of this stuff from McKenzie and Johnson would kind of be similar to that. And that Daniel Helms story came out, I think, just after Butch Jones was fired. Uh, and Helm had transferred to Duke and Butch had kind of said some things to him in some meetings and, and disparaged him in front of some teammates uh, kind of unfairly. And his dad gave that interview to, I think, the Knoxville News Sentinel, maybe. He said he had to get his get his son out of there before he, like, literally tried to fight Butch Jones. And that's yeah. <laughs> that's pretty bad when you when a player wants to fight the coach. I mean, you don't really hear many stories like that. I mean, I there, there are guys that I look and I just say, ah, you're not cut out to be a football coach. Derek Dooley was one of those. Right? I just kind of say, ah, you know, you're that's just not your deal. You should have been a lawyer. You know, or a commentator he, or some sort of yeah, Clay Travis better, type. <laughs> He was just better at that stuff and still is to this day. Because he's the charismatic guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He he was he was good in he was good in press conferences and and like that was his his forte. And football coaching was just not for him. Butch is a bad person. I to and and you know, I say that some some guys might qualify it and say it's it's not personal or anything. It's personal. It is. He's not. He's not a good person from the things that I've seen in the way that he conducts himself professionally. I don't know what he's like home life with his kids or anything like that. I have no way to speak to any of that. But when it comes to the way that he conducted himself as a football coach, he's just as I said already. I don't want to see him be a football coach again because I think it's detrimental for the kids that he would coach. I remember I wrote a. I forgot about this this till just now. I wrote a column. I don't know. I don't think Butch had been fired yet, but a lot of the, I don't know. He had not been fired yet because the, uh, you remember the Brett Kendrick concussion stuff and all that, where oh, they yeah. didn't take him out of the game. I think yep. that had happened. Maybe the shot huddle thing, with Nigel warrior, all that was kind of going on. And I just kind of wrote a column about Butch trying to cover all this stuff up and just slamming the culture. And I had a, one of his former assistants reach out to me, and he was like, you've nailed it. You've nailed everything going on oh, there. Wow. And it was no inside information on my part. It was just my perception of what I saw happening. And that just kind of confirmed like, all right, that's really what's going on there. He was the epitome of, of talking out of both sides of your mouth. That's, that's the way that I would put it Sp specifically with the, the players. If he wasn't directly crappy to a kid, like with Daniel Helm, it was, Hey, come here. This is what'll happen. You'll, you know, you'll get all this playing time. All, oh, it'll be so great. And you show up and it's nothing like that. You know, he I think just, he had some of his kind of favorites that he, Oh yeah. Because there's definitely some players that speak fondly of him that played for him at Tennessee, but it's when you hear this, you know, two very contrasting statements from, from former players, it's very obvious that, that he kind of had his group that he favored and group that he didn't. Without a doubt. And it it just goes along with that whole, what he was as in the entirety as a coach was to me just detrimental to a good portion of the kids that he coached. Maybe some of them came, came out better, I would guess, not because of Butch, in, sp in spite of Butch, or because of coaches on his staff. Butch did have good coaches that he hired. Um, that is absolutely true. Um, th there were some assistant coaches. Uh, you you've already brought it up. It was did you say Stribling? 
was who? Yeah. Steve? Yeah, the defensive yeah. line coach. And and so, like, there, there were guys that he coached that were good to these kids, and that's great, and I'm glad that they, they got to have that experience. But him as the, uh, you know, as this quote-unquote CEO of the program, he just sucked. He was, uh, it was, uh, it was Enron. You know, he was he was Jeffrey Skilling. If you've watched the uh, the Enron documentary on on Netflix, like he he was Ken Lay. Like it was all just a shell game, and then it all obviously it all came crumbling down, and and it it sucks. But it and now it's just it's part of Tennessee's history, and I think Jeremy Pruitt is turning that corner. He's the exact opposite. He is you know truly it, it appears like nothing but integrity. And and really, he's up front with these kids, and the kids respect him and love him, and and really love the direction that he's taking this team in. Um, and it, you know, and if I'm wrong about that, man, Jeremy Pruitt has me fooled. I'll say that much. Uh, but yeah, to- I mean, I started doubting Pruitt early last season when they went zero and two. I was very much like, okay, here we go again. He was a good defensive coordinator. There's plenty of good defensive coordinators that don't make good head coaches. Uh, Brent Venables is sitting there at Clemson as a defensive coordinator, highly paid, doing a great job. And I think it's because maybe he doesn't feel comfortable being a head coach and he kind of knows that's what he needs to be doing. But once Pruitt turned things around, I was I bought into that job. I saw yeah. the way the kids believed in him, the way he was able to change that culture despite not things not going his way. And any coach that can do that has impressed me. The way that the kids talk about Pruitt, it's just different. It, it is. It's different <laughs> completely from from Butch. Butch was well, a used car salesman. What's funny is you hear all of these ex-players talk about Pruitt, former Alabama, Georgia players, for, former Florida State players. You never heard that at all with former Butch Jones players. And I know he was at Central Michigan and Cincinnati, but he had a lot of former players that were big-time NFL players. I mean, Antonio Brown, J.J. Watt, Travis Kelsey, several of them guys, and, and there's no mention of Butch Jones when they talk about former tra- – I mean, they just – why would they? I mean, he almost screwed J.J. Watt's career up. Oh. When when former players at, at from Alabama that, that were coached by Pruitt came out and they were like, man, UT is lucky to have Pruitt. I was like, okay, all right. That's an excellent sign. There wasn't I, – I mean, I remember specifically – when Butch was hired, Cincinnati fans being like, <laughs> y'all have fun. Good luck. <laughs> and, and just like that, that kind of being the feeling you didn't get that with Pruitt there. Alabama fans were like, Oh God, now we got to find another defensive coordinator. Pruitt was great. He won a national championship for us, yada, yada. And, and former players were saying, man, Pruitt's great. You guys are lucky to have him. Like th- there is just a, a total different feeling. Um, around him as a coach and it's man it feels obviously it may not turn out it may not turn into wins on the field but it at least to me and in my opinion having covered butch up close it's it's good that it seems like these kids are not getting screwed over that's yeah that's the last thing i want to see it as long as tennessee keeps getting talented signing classes finishing top 10 I feel like they're going to have some pretty good teams. I mean, are they going to compete for a national championship? I don't know. I think Pruitt is capable of teaching these kids and putting together a staff that can get to that point. But, man, college football, that's the hardest thing to do. You know, winning a national championship in college football, everything has to go right. There's a lot of great coaches that have never got close to a national championship. 
So to say Pruitt's going to be in that Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney category, can't go there yet, but I, th- I do think he has the potential and the ability to get there if everything kind of breaks right for him. You got to get the right quarterback. That's the main thing. Oh, that's <laughs> – yes, the the right quarterback, the right defense. Like the, A lot of stuff has to come come together. He's headed in the right direction to at least do something like play in an SEC championship game, do something Butch couldn't do. Yeah, I think they're um, going to be – competitive in all the you know the florida georgia alabama games which that's all you can really ask for in the sec is asking for alabama dominance that's not realistic you just want tennessee to have a chance to win those games year in and year out every time tennessee and alabama steps on the field you want to feel like tennessee has a chance to win this game and if they lose it's a one score game it's it's a competitive back and forth game and that's Tennessee being back is to me is just we're kind of all those games are toss up games no matter yeah. what be in the mix always yes. that's that is Tennessee football historically you are you're right there in it um and and will they be you know we'll we'll see but it feels good as of right now when you, when you compare uh, guys coming out and saying man I wish somebody would come talk to me about but but Jones. Please, I, dude. I, I get I get the feeling that that will not even even if Pruitt doesn't work out, I get the feeling that will not be what his players say about him <laughs> in the future. <laughs> and that's good. I mean, if we can get a two part 30 for 30 Netflix documentary, we start with the uh, hiring of Butch Jones and go through the coaching search and, and the hiring of Pruitt. That would be I mean, they'd make us so much money off of that off oh. Tennessee fans. It would be unreal. And it I, sounds like some people are willing to talk. So, I, well, I, I was really happy. I mean, Mark Mark Nagy is a you know a media friend and a, and a you know a friend in real life, and he wrote the book uh, "Decade of Dysfunction" about Tennessee. And I was glad just somebody was documenting. He obviously that book was about a whole lot more. Mark Mark was in the media consortium at Tennessee much longer than myself. Um, but I was glad somebody was documenting all of that. He even, it has a quote for me, uh, in, in the book and how distraught I was on, on the day of Shiano Sunday and all that stuff. Um, I'm glad it's out there. I do. I really do wish that there would be more, but the thing is Tennessee wouldn't let that happen. I think the, I, I you know, when, when it came down to, uh, a, kind of it, it would have to be completely from an independent source I, I guess i would say that it would have to come from someone who's not in the media court tennessee because if you're in the media court tennessee and you made a documentary that made ut look as bad as that documentary will make ut look they're not going to be down with that that's just my uh, my opinion i guess yeah that's true because there's some pretty dark stuff during the butch jones days oh yeah um with the title yes. nine stuff and all that i mean that that does go down a pretty dark road but you know, ESPN has been doing stuff like that with programs. I mean, uh, and or HBO. HBO is another. I mean, they did that college basketball deal with LSU and the FBI wiretaps, and that was pretty damning we, for those programs. We we haven't even yeah we haven't even in 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 discussing Butch Jones. I mean, yeah the the Title IX lawsuit. Ultimately, most of the guys that were wrapped up in that Title IX lawsuit, AJ Johnson was uh, exonerated. Levant. Levon, Von Pearson, his actual name is Levon, I believe. Um, Pearson, you know, he his charges were dropped with uh, 
you know, not enough evidence to indict and, and things like that. Uh, but that whole thing was just a disaster for Butch. And, and I was wrapped up in it. Even, you know, I, I had actually, I personally had a, an almost war with the Tennessean in the way that the Tennessean, you know, the Tennessean newspaper over in Nashville covered all of that. They were actually, it, it appeared, I do not have direct evidence and emails to show the proof, but it appeared that they were working, um, with the, uh, the, the attorneys that were filing that lawsuit, they were working with them and dropping this news periodically to make Tennessee look bad throughout all of that. And I called them out on, on all of that. And I wrote these articles and I ended, you know, I did like radio in Nashville and I had this back and forth with the editors at the Tennessean and they blocked me on Twitter and all this garbage. <laughs> um, and, and, and even, even through all of that, like that was such a mess. Like it was so, the, the fact that that happened, like I, it did, it kind of vaulted my career to a certain extent. It made my audience a lot bigger. I got a lot of followers on Twitter and things uh, from that. But like that, oh my gosh, that just the fact that that happened under Butch was, was a disaster. It was a PR nightmare. And, I and think it just people, added on to his whole thing. Yeah, I think people forget. They think about, you know, Butch sitting there in Alabama uh, as a, analyst assistant whatever he is these days intern, intern. Um, part of that title nine is has made him hard to hire as yes. a head coach at another program and I think I think I remember hearing was it Colorado State that was interested in him maybe this year at some point after uh, Mel Tucker I believe left yeah um, and that was part of the holdup on that deal was the title nine stuff and the schools don't want to be associated with all that and plus who knows what else will come out about Butch Jones? Something Khalil McKenzie drops a bomb and he's your head coach and then you're in a bad spot. That's sort of selfishly. That is sort of what I want in some extent. Obviously I do not want anyone wrapped up in anything bad that, that might've happened. I don't want repercussions like that for UT, but for Butch Jones and, and his career, as I said before, unless he has fundamentally changed like as a person, Almost. I don't want to see him be a head, head coach again. It's going to be tough for him. And he's burned some bridges, too. Yes, he I has. I mean, he left Colorado standing when Tennessee came calling. I think he did the same with Purdue whenever Colorado came calling when he was at Cincinnati. I mean, that's – and plus the way he left Cincinnati. I mean, that's three programs right there that you, you've made people unhappy there, plus whoever at Tennessee, wherever they go. I mean <laughs> – I don't know. He's going to have to go be an offensive coordinator somewhere at like Maryland or something, which he was almost in the mix there at one point yeah. too, I think. He he has major, major rehabbing to do. And I guess I, you know, we, we could keep going down that rabbit hole forever. And there's a lot of stuff about it that I just, I frankly, I, I just can't say on this, on this platform. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad that Pruitt is the coach. I'll just, I'll wrap it up that way. I'm glad Jeremy Pruitt's the, the football coach at Tennessee now and not Butch Jones. <laughs> Man, yeah, I don't I'm think, happy. I don't think we'll have any uh, 2018 signees coming out eight years from now talking about wanting to give a tell-all interview about Pruitt. Please. I, I would be, at this point, I would be very, very shocked for that to happen. Never say never. This is Tennessee, and we know what happens at UT. Never count out the craziest stuff that could potentially happen. But, like, ugh. Man, I just I'm glad that it's it's proven not butch anymore. But that's it 
any other in terms of the things that the foreign players came out and said did you have anything else you want to touch on uh, just how badly i want to see it and see those interviews and me too and kind of <laughs> I would I would be so down that rabbit hole and so glued to it. I would be giddy to to see uh, the guy. Honestly, the guy that I really want to hear from is Alvin Kamara. He's when when I think of back on guys in terms of who I would love to hear have their take because he was entertaining as a kid, you know, back then. Um, he was a dude that we loved to see come up for an interview. Um, I just want to know what his feelings are. And, and like he obviously he has become his image in terms of how it's related to UT is that he was totally underused, underutilized. I think he's hinted around or people close to him have kind of hinted around before that, that he thought he should have been the starting running back over Hurd and, and he should have. Well, yeah. And Hurd, I mean, Hurd, I mean, Hurd was, if if they were going to run the, if they were going to run the offense that they ran, Hurd's a power back, Hurd's a wide receiver, frankly. Obviously, that's the way that he's entered the NFL. He's a wide receiver. It should have been Kamara. Kamara's Alvin's ridiculously good, uh, and you know he obviously went under underutilized. I'd love to hear what he has to say about it, but unless here we One go, day, maybe. <laughs> that's yeah. We'll we'll see if that ever comes out. Um, but but really, as we've already said, there just not that much happened this week. The only other thing that we wanted to really touch on was the the updates in terms of uh, college football happening this coming season the the big story being oh the surging cases the surging cases it's been it's been happening where you live zach it's been happening where i live here in knoxville there have been more coronavirus cases all around us it's growing every day uh and you you had uh, earlier this week morehouse college they canceled their football season and uh, the story there was that they're I believe the D two school with the highest attendance on uh, of of the 2019 season, and they're canceling their season. You could argue that really they're going to end up saving money by doing that, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, you had more college football players in, in D one testing positive for the virus. How how are things looking in your opinion in terms of this season happening? I'm trying to. Last week I was very pessimistic, and this week. I'm a little more optimistic, but only because I feel like the Power Five conferences, they're so determined to play this season that they're going to find a way to make it happen. They're not, I mean, just not playing is just not an option. I mean, there's still reports out talking about fans or not. And I'm, you know, last week I'm wondering, can we even get through fall practice? You know, let a, I'm not even worried about fans. Can we just get players through? 15 practices and they don't even seem worried about that. So yeah, the, the surge in cases is concerning. Um, but I just think they're so determined that they're going to find a way, which is encouraging to, to feel that way. It's encouraging. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel very similarly, even though there have been, there has been a continued rise in, in cases and everybody's concerned. And that's been the news. Uh, I do feel more optimistic about it. You had Phil Fulmer, this week, let's see, it was three three days ago, Tennessee's athletic director and obviously former football coach. He said, everybody keeps asking me if we're going to be playing football with fans this season. The truth is, Vol fans statewide can help determine that outcome. From now through the kickoff, 
masks are a must. And then he, it has a little graphic that says, obtain a mask, wear it when you go out, slow the spread, be at Neyland on September 5th. That's a great, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're, he's being proactive in terms of saying the, the mask health, health experts say that it helps not have people spread it to each other. So where, when you go out and we'll have football in, in the fall, is that any kind of a guarantee? Obviously not. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I think I have, I actually tweeted this a, a couple of days ago. I went to the mall, Westtown mall here, um, uh, to, to grab something. And I noticed just a couple of days after this had been tweeted mask usage in Knoxville had gone up. Now I don't, I don't know if that comes from the surge in cases, if it comes from Philip Fulmer making the statement or, or what, but people are, are heeding it. And I don't, you know, I'm not here to tell you I'm not a doctor and, and you're a free person in the United States of America and you can decide for yourself if you're going to wear a mask, maybe your state mandates it, then I guess you should. But like this, I, I have just personally noticed this is uh, the mask usage has gone, gone up. Maybe that does help. And the cases start to not rise as quickly and football happens. I, I don't know, but that it made me feel better. I would say that. Yeah. So I think something, when, I guess when Philip Fomer says it, people probably tend to take heed a little more, but if you're, if you're sitting there thinking about, okay, if I wear this, maybe it helps slow it and we get to play college football. I'm going to wear yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly. I I do think there there's an element of I've just seen recently. I can I'll pull the little uh, cur- the curtain back a little on my week this past week. So I I went to Hilton Head last week and on the show a week ago I kind of made the joke like oh I you know I bet I I bet I have it ha 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 I I don't have the the coronavirus but someone in my life that I had direct contact with does um. And before they knew they had it, I came into contact with them earlier this week and I had to get tested for it. And I got the test. It was it was the brain scraper, you know, all all the way up. Not super fun. Makes your eyes eyes water water and just listening to you. It's it's not it. It wasn't painful per se, but it it burned a little bit. (laughs) I'll say that it makes your eyes water like immediately. It's not great. But nonetheless, I. I got tested, came back negative. Here we are. Um, but it hit it hit close to home. It, it it really did. Now I've had I've actually had relatives that have had it, but they don't live here in Knoxville. I I have not known anybody in in Knoxville that has had it, and all of a sudden it just it came home, you know, right right into my hemisphere. Um, and and I think that's happening to other people. And suddenly they're kind of realizing, okay, this this is real. I'll, I'll wear the mask out or whatever it may be, whatever the feeling is. It seems like it's the tide is kind of changing from where it was this completely split thing of, you, you know, the, this side is telling me not to wear masks or th- this side is telling me to wear a mask. So I'm not going to wear a mask. This side is telling me not to wear a mask. So I'm definitely wearing a mask. You know, it was that dichotomy. And now it's more like, okay, people I actually know are getting it. I'm going to be sensible and, and do whatever, you know, and, and it just, it seems like it's going in that direction. Maybe, maybe that's just me being anecdotal about my own life. Uh, I I don't know, but uh, it does seem like this is coming around. Maybe it will help. Maybe it won't. I yeah, I think that's kind of the mindset. Like maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. There's no 
exact science on it. I know there's, you heard one thing early on, you hear something kind of different now, but if you do it and it works great, if it doesn't, you haven't really heard anything. So why not give it a shot? I think that might kind of be the mindset now. And see that that's, that's where I'm, I'm at. I, I don't, I don't like to take a hard stance on this show, but I will say if wearing a mask keeps stuff from getting shut down and cases from going way up, I'm fine, fine. I, you know, I'll do it. It's, it's not fun to go and, and have my nose smushed and not, you know, it fogs up my glasses when I go out. It's not great. But if it means that the restaurant I love stays open and they continue to make money, the guy that I know that owns that restaurant can feed his kids, that's excellent. And I'm, I'll, I'll do it if, and ultimately in this case, if it, if it helps football happen, let's do it. Let's wear masks. And, and that's, if that's the inconvenience that you have to, to live with, um, Obviously, we will see if the uh, the bigger numbers of, of mask wearing helps. But I, that that's just how I feel. I'm like, if if it keeps my life going more on a normal track and not this crazy shut down quarantine nonsense, fine. You know, let's wear. Well, the it's mask. one of it's one of the only things that we can kind of do proactively to try to stop. Yeah, this spread and again. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. We don't know for sure how effective it is. Um, but it's the only thing that you can do. So if you're trying to do something, that's that's the avenue to take. It's true, and that that just is what it is. I, as I said, and hopefully it leads to football. Yeah, you know, and and you're you're an autonomous human being who can who can do what they want, but. Uh, that's just that's the way that I feel at, at this point. It's like God, I'll do this this stuff if this is what it takes. But just please let it actually work. That's that's my feeling. I'm I'm kind of just desperate. Where I'm like, please, I, I need this stuff in my life at this point. I I need I need the NHL. I need the NBA. I need college football. I need like, ugh. It just I I don't think it made me truly realize how much. This sports as a as a distraction, as an enrichment in my life, how how much it really meant uh, in, in a lot of sense and what I would be willing to do to have that back. Uh, it kind of put that in perspective, I think. I don't think I realized how often I'd be sitting there watching a random NBA game or not really watching it, doing something else, having it on and then stop to kind of check out five minutes of the game when, when something's happening. You kind of miss those little moments, those last last second shots between two teams you don't care about uh the nba playoffs nhl playoffs things that we'd be enjoying this time of year it's it's been tough and i cannot imagine another six months without that no (laughs) i as i said i need it need it uh and so if the mask stuff helps it come back let's do it let's do it man I if I gotta wear it in kneeling this coming season, let's do it. I don't know if those September afternoon (laughs) with one on would be be hot. (laughs) It'll be hot. November, yeah, I'm there, but I don't know about September. But still, I and and I even actually it was weeks ago. I remember posing that question actually uh, on on Twitter as would you wear a mask if you had to. 
to have Tennessee football games. And I mean, overwhelmingly, people were like, yeah, obviously I would have that that inconvenience to be able to be in person at football games. Um, but it's easier. It is easier said than done when it's 89 degrees on September 5th and you're, you know, you're roasting in the sun on the in the lower bowl. <laughs> but I think you'd see a lot of the word just the mouth is covered. Oh, yeah. Type deal. The, the Which sh- that seems schnoz. I I know that you're supposed to cover your nose and your mouth, but I feel like as long as the mouth's covered, you're you're still doing a pretty good job there because that's where most of that transmission is probably going to happen yeah. as far as you projecting it out. Well, we, of course, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, so I don't take anything <laughs> that I say on that <laughs> subject serious. And I am not either. And so take everything that we said with the, the largest grain of salt, but that's that, that happened this, this week, there was an emphasis from Philip Fulmer about the masks and, and like we've been saying, if it helps, let's do it. If we can have football by wearing masks, let's do it. I just want to almost be guaranteed that like, but, uh, well, you know, one guarantee that you can take right now that was made. I don't know. Jared Garantano's guarantee. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, interesting tweet from old JG. Uh, I believe ten- tonight, right? Yeah, right before I think we started this. Yeah, he. Oh, I had I actually had it pulled up. Oh, I crap! I went off of it. But he tweeted out. Uh, yeah, here he is. He said December fifth, twenty twenty, the date of the SEC championship game, and it's just a picture of himself in full uniform. <laughs> Looks like he's ready to go. Um. That's some hubris. I like the confidence. Do I believe in him? Not yet. I want to very much. Um, But I'm going to need to see a little bit more than we saw this past season to believe that he can lead Tennessee to the SEC championship game. But hey, if this is what gets him in the right headspace, let's do it. I mean, it's clearly that is his goal. So you know that's the team's goal. And I think that should be encouraging the fans. Like, hey, they're playing for the SEC championship game. They're not playing for eight and five. They're not playing to just kind of keep pace with what they did last year because they have a tough schedule and there will be underdogs in at least four of their matchups. They're playing to win the conference or to win the SEC East. And that's, I mean, that's uh, encouraging because that's what the expectations should be every single year for Tennessee. It should be, period. And so I'm glad they're embracing it. That there is, you know, it, it. I've really seen it, not necessarily from Pruitt, but really from, uh, I, I recall specifically Rick Barnes when he came to Tennessee, where he basically said anything less than the NCAA tournament is, that's ridiculous. That's not, we're, we're here for the NCAA tournament, a chance to win a national championship game. He said that from the very beginning. That is his entire, you know, that's the baseline. Um, and I'm glad that it kind of seems like with this football team right now, clearly this is the goal. It's the SEC championship game. It's winning the SEC East. It's being in that upper echelon. And if it's not going to be that, then that's, let's call it what it is. It would be a, a failure. It, it is. It is. You're not reaching what should be the goal for this football team uh, when you don't make it to that uh, to the championship and give yourself a chance to win a championship. Uh, so I'm honestly, I'm happy to see it. Let's do it. Yeah, and it's good that it's coming kind of from the team, too. Yeah. It's kind of team team driven. So then you're kind of you know you're 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 
looking out at your teammates and you're holding them accountable. And that means more than Jeremy Pruitt trying to say, hey, this is our goal. When it comes from the team, it kind of permeates through the rest of the locker room and it, it makes a bigger impact, I think. It definitely does. And if Jarrett, I I have, I can say it and you can go listen to the things that I've said. And in the past, I've questioned his ability to be the field general for, for Tennessee, to be the guy under center that leads this team uh, to, to great heights. And if he, if he can get in the right headspace and this is the stuff that he needs to do great, just do it. That's my, my entire thought on all of this is just whatever it takes, let's get there. Uh, hopefully with Cheney, Cheney has kind of formed a reputation as, as a real quarterback guy. Maybe Jared is finally coming, uh, around, or maybe this is just a tweet and we're reading too much into it. But uh, e- either way, um, it's I'm glad that he did it because it gives us something to talk about. <laughs> it's strange to say, but not just Cheney. I wonder if kind of working with Harrison Bailey this offseason has not only yeah. pushed him, but learned a thing or two from Bailey. A little motivation? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. I, whatever it takes, if it is that competition, and maybe he hasn't had because obviously up to this point, there has not been a quarterback that has truly been – the best option outside of JG. We have not seen a guy where it was just, yep, he's the dude, let's ride. That has not occurred so far at, with with JG on the roster. Maybe yeah, maybe he's seen Bailey. Bailey more of that. You know, they've been working out together in Atlanta off and on through the offseason. Yep. He's, he's seen Bailey's talent in person, and he knows, he hears, he sees Twitter, he reads it. He knows that everybody wants Bailey to, to be the star. What more motivation yeah. do you need if you're a fifth-year senior that came back, that you, you're the starter the year before? You know, everybody wants somebody else to start. They kind of doubt you. You have to be able to use that as motivation. If you can't, you're not going to succeed. Exactly. I mean, this this is it. This is the the whole thing for Jared Garantano. This is your your uh, your last chance to to show that you're the dude. And, and maybe this is finally the motivation that he needs to get over the hump and, and be the guy for Tennessee. I hope it is. Uh, and and I'll, I'll be happy to watch on, uh, on September 5th. Ideally, as Philip Homer said, I'll be in the stands watching it happen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, until then, I guess we won't really know. Uh, hopefully we find out something soon. I think they're supposed to kind of start making some plans at the end of when is that supposed to have you heard i thought i heard something recently i haven't but it's got to be getting there right maybe the end of july surely date that was set because sec media days is now virtual only but sec media days is happening i mean they're they're having it the this stuff is going down i where i will kind of reach the i gotta see it to believe it stage will be fall practice which will be august which would be the i guess the end of july into august typically Maybe the last week of July uh, into the first couple of weeks of August, you get your your fall practices. That initial, it's the jump start. They really the have season. to have a plan in place by then. I mean, you can shut a season down in in one night. We've seen that, but you can't start a season up with all these precautions and everything that's going to have to look different at Neyland. It's not like we're going to get to September and it's going to be business as usual. Eventually, and, and maybe, I hope we get back to that. But and you you've still seen. 
I, you know, I, I will say this week, even with the, the big jumps in cases of, of the virus that we've seen, the death rate is still staying low. And maybe that oh, it's dropping. The, the feeling of everything. Today, uh, 285 deaths on June 28th, a week ago. Uh, no, two, let's see, two weeks ago, 336. So you, you have a drop from two weeks ago even and the cases since then and have from two weeks ago have gone way up on that on that same date uh that i'm referencing that has gone way up from you had twenty thousand cases today you had forty three thousand new cases but the death rate has dropped from two weeks ago so i obviously that is a lagging statistic everybody says that deaths are a lagging statistic new new cases are going to lead to new deaths Maybe, um, yeah. I'm, I'm obviously praying that it doesn't. And three or four weeks from now, we should have a really better grasp on how we should and how that, fatal I'm, it is at this point. Man, I'm on pins and needles. I I really am. And there there have been studies. I guess we were talking about it kind of off mic uh, beforehand. There were studies this week. You said it was out of Penn State. Yeah, it showed that potentially the it's the like, actual amount of infections in the United States is orders of magnitude higher than what we. It's like ten need. times higher yeah. which would be 20 million i think or 25 million was it it's over 2 million in the united states right now cases right yeah so that that would make the death rate what like point point four point five, and that that's including like early on there were a lot of uh, deaths in nursing homes probably excess deaths in nursing homes that didn't need to happen because patients were getting sent back in when they shouldn't have been and we realize that now you know uh and so hopefully the the perception of what this virus is does continue to change and by football season we're ready and rearing to go but as of right now it's it's so hard to say i don't know maybe it will maybe it won't but that's that's where we're at that's uh and i think that's that's really the bulk of the show this week man we we went way, way deep on the bush bush jones rabbit hole man probably a little too deep there's and there's still more there's still more that you can there is. I, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say it. I, I am gonna have to edit. Part, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to what we said and edit parts of this out. And so for people listening, there are parts of this that you didn't even hear. <laughs> that we, <laughs> not not to make you. That's gonna piss people off. But, um, it man, that guy sucked. Which was the worst. That's it. That's the entire message of this whole show. There what? If if he didn't want me to say that, there should have been more college football news this week. Sorry, Butch. And no one, Butch, he'll probably listen to this. Hey, Butch, what's up? Um, you're terrible. Don't please don't coach football again. Yeah, I'll put his name <laughs> somewhere in a tweet near this, and when he name searches, he'll find it. Yeah, he'll he'll come across it. He he's got that, uh, you know, that Google alert. <laughs> this I have no it. doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, I hope he does listen. I well. I've I've given my opinion. That's that's it, and I think uh, think that's it for us. Any any parting thoughts, Zach? No, I'm just sitting here thinking of more things to say about Butch Jones, but I think we covered it all for this week. We, we'll save some for for future conversations. Yeah, we gotta. Th- there is more more to say. I honestly, I hope that the players come out and say stuff so that we can say more stuff. Oh yes, because there's just stuff that happened that it's gonna happen. It, they want they want to say it. Yes, and and we like. 
we're privy to things that occurred where, you know, there was kind of this air of like, don't say anything or else we'll this and that. And we just, you know, you just can't. And it's in, in respect of other people that aren't Butch Jones, really. Um, And so maybe that, that other person involved. Well, here's the thing. The players know that they have something that people want to hear and they're not just going to tweet it out. They're going to have to find somebody that, that tells the story for them in a way that benefits them. Man, I'll, I'll make the movie. Hey, Netflix, give me a call. I'll make I'll make this movie for you. People will watch it. Yeah, just give yeah. them the Coach Doge's viewership numbers and and tell yeah. show them what they can expect on Netflix. The entire college football world turned its eye on Tennessee during that whole coaching search, and whether it was good or bad, it was a whole bunch of both. But uh, yeah, I mean, we draw an audience. It's Tennessee. It's a big brand. Yeah. All right, that's it. <laughs> I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. This has been the big orange podcast i'm gonna go edit out the things that i wasn't supposed to say um and go uh, have some more tiki drinks probably but that's it zach another great week i guess we'll uh see you next week then see you guys later